In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! We certainly know that 2020 has tested our resolve, and according to surveys, it has even delivered a blow to the way Americans view their retirement prospects. On today's show, not letting the risk we are facing ruin our financial future. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. Always glad to have you along on radio all across central Arkansas and online. We are live streaming, as always, on Facebook this morning. My name is Scott Inman, along with me, Janet Walker and Teresa Arago. John has the day off, and I am once again uh, on the big screen in the the room as we continue our social distancing and 2020 reminder, uh, always present in the middle of this uh, pandemic. I use that phrase middle of the pandemic we hope we're on the back stretch yes. uh, we're going to talk with ryan dietrich a little bit about that and uh, how it affects the economy uh, how it's continuing to affect the economy so you'll want to stay tuned for that but today's show is all about risky business and i know that may conjure up if you're of a certain age a vision of tom cruise singing in his underwear but that's not what we're talking <laughs> about today we're just talking about risk in general and and ladies i mentioned that survey in the beginning of the uh the show that over half of pre-retirees are less confident about living comfortably in retirement than they were before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Certainly, there's some real things that have happened to people's retirement prospects, their retirement savings, their plans in general in the year 2020. But the risks, although maybe slightly elevated this year, are the same ones that have always been there. They, they are. And, you know, guys, I, I think a lot of people get focused on the economy rather than their economy. And I think mm-hmm. that that leads a lot of times to this lack of confidence because they're hearing. I mean, my gosh, if you have the news on for 10 seconds, you've heard three bad stories already. Yeah. You know, it's just this constant deluge of, of just bad news, bad news, bad news. But what's really going on in your economy? And we want to talk about the risks today that are in your your world and that you have to just make a decision about how you're going to respond to those risks. They're very real. It's, you know, people have talked about at various stages of the pandemic, you know, how real it is, whether it was real or not, all of that. We've heard all of that. These risks are things that you're going to face. They're very Mm -hmm. real and you just have to make a decision. And I've seen both ends of the spectrum this year through appointments. I've had one client come in who thought there's no way I'll be able to retire now and wasn't even sure why they came to visit me and they were fine. They were in good shape. Yeah, yeah. And then I had another one who wasn't in good shape, and we had to say, okay, we're going to have to push it a little bit. But if you don't take the time to really decide your economy, as you put it, Janet, then you don't know where you stand, and you can't really make any adjustments at that point. And I would say, guys, the vast majority of the time when people come in and meet with us and they have that concern, Mm -hmm. like what you just said, these people had, they're concerned about whether or not they're going to be able to retire and they really don't think that they're going to be able to do it. In most cases, you really can, but you have to understand what risks are out there. What risks do Mm -hmm. you need to prepare for? And if you prepare for those risks, then you can face them. I think it's interesting, too, uh, Teresa, you mentioned the appointments. I was thinking about some of the appointments that I've had recently and even some client phone calls that I've had uh, recently. And it hasn't been a lot, but I really think back to March when the market went down 30 plus percent when we first shut everything down economically Mm -hmm. and we were very fearful of the risk of the COVID-19 pandemic. I don't think I got as many calls then as maybe I get now because the market's Mm -hmm. back up, right? And and people are kind of thinking, why is it back up? We're still in the middle of a pandemic. Should it be back up? And now we've got an election. And then we've still got the unknowns of are we going to have a vaccine? I think the 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 fear, at least from an investing standpoint, may be greater now than it was in March. I, I would agree with that. I, I don't know about you, Teresa, but I, I feel like the words all-time high mm-hmm. are yeah. scarier yeah. to people than, you know, oh my gosh, the world is falling apart. I think because if you Google, right, how to invest People say, well, invest while the market's down, sell when the market's high, but it's not that simple. Time inside the market is so much more important than trying to get the timing correct. And I think that's just a lack of coaching 
in most cases that people haven't got somebody helping them coach them through that process to kind of guide them into understanding that a little better i I don't know about you guys i'm certain that you have been here at various points and you may be here now are you just kind of done and over you know like it like 2020 i'm done let's get to december 31st i'm done with the pandemic i'm done with all uh, all that it has brought to us you know scott months ago you were like I don't want a new normal. I want normal. Right. You know, let, let's get back to that. And and we know, frankly, that there, and we're going to talk with Ryan about this, there are some things that have changed permanently. If you want mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, businesses that no longer exist because mm-hmm. of the consequences of the pandemic, the, the question is, how are you responding and what are the risks that are in your future that may have been there before and you just didn't know about them or maybe they weren't there before maybe they're new risks as a result of 2020 but we're going to talk today the guys there are four ways that we've talked in the past i want to go mm-hmm. ahead and mention those there are four ways we've talked in the past about dealing with risk and we're going to develop those a little bit more today but then we have a fifth option for you but the, basically the concept with risk is you can avoid it you can reduce it you can transfer it or you can accept it mm-hmm. and again we're going to give you a fifth one later on as well but i want you to think about what applies to you as you think about the risks that you're facing with regard to retirement we focus a lot on retirement income if we can solve for retirement income then we can deal with all the other details that that play into your retirement the most important thing is that you can meet your expenses and be able to meet most of your desires on Mm -hmm. a monthly basis and if we can do that then you're good and so what are you doing to address the risk is there a risk in your case that maybe you don't have enough money per month or maybe inflation is going to be an issue for Mm -hmm. you what are the challenges that you will face and do you have somebody who will come alongside you and help you deal with that and janet and scott wouldn't you guys agree though that a lot of people just aren't aware of what risks are out there when it comes to retirement you know Mm -hmm. you may have worked your career for Mm -hmm. 30 plus years and you know every detail of that career and you know how to accumulate those dollars but have you ever sat down and made an income plan because it's a different dynamic it is and if you don't know what you're watching for what you need to watch for you can put a lot of work into it and go to the wrong destination by accident yeah we had a whole show last week on blind spots and yeah. if you didn't get that or you didn't get a chance to hear that go back and get it on podcast either itunes or stitcher because that's a really good uh setup for this show you don't know what you don't know and we gave you some blind spots to look out for so how do you prepare for those that's really what we're talking about in today's show because these risks that uh that really are universal to all retirees there's not a person who retires in america that won't face these very unique risks so how you deal with it becomes very important you know i want to go back we've got about a minute left in our opening segment before we talk to ryan i want to go back on something you said when we were having the discussion about uh, the fear of investors Mm -hmm. right now the all-time high thing really struck a chord with me because i do think people think we're at the tip top of the mountain and we're about (laughs) to go over right Mm -hmm. every time that discussion is had well first of all to bring you back down off of that cliff, think about how many all-time highs are hit yes. during any average year yeah. uh, in the market. There, there are multiple all-time highs always being hit, or we would never continue to grow, right? Yeah. But on the other side of that, think about this stat. 91% of people believe it's important to protect their retirement savings from volatility. And now we're going to get into that because that's that yeah. plays into this risk thing. If you're 10 years or less away from potentially retiring, there probably are some changes to, that need to be made to your investment strategy. Yeah, and, and we talk with Dietrich in, in just a few moments. We'll talk with him about volatility. It is a very real risk. It is not imagined. It is a mm-hmm. very real risk. And and I will tell you that while volatility is something that we would really encourage to a degree in somebody's portfolio when they're farther out from retirement, as you get closer to retirement and in retirement, you have to take a different perspective on that. And that's something we want to discuss so we had Bert White on last week and he talked about anacondas and blind spots and if you missed that interview again I want to go encourage you to go back and check that out on iTunes or Stitcher our podcast Bert is a co-worker a team member with LPL's chief market strategist Ryan Dietrich who joins us quite frequently on the Get Ready for the Future show. And he is up next to talk about one of the big risks that everybody is always talking about, and that's the markets and the economy. Stay with us. Get off the crazy train and onto a more dependable track with the Gen Wealth team. All aboard the Get Ready for the Future show after the break. 
This is Scott Inman. At Genwell Financial Advisors, we understand that there should be more to retirement than just the size of your nest egg. Whether it's more time for family, a fresh start, or just stopping and enjoying life, whatever it is for you, we know that your retirement should be more. With offices across Central Arkansas, there is a GenWealth location nearby. Call 501-653-7355 or visit us online to schedule an appointment and harness the power of more. Securities offered through LPL Financial Member FINRA SIPC. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. And welcome in on social media and on the Get Ready for the Future show to the fastest four minutes in investing. I'm joined today by Janet Walker as we talk things over in, in the markets. We have Ryan Dietrich on the radio show, Janet, right. coming up after this. And he's going to really kind of talk about the markets in depth. So we wanted to spend a little bit of time on a subject matter that he will address a little bit, but that certainly is at the forefront of many of our clients' minds and many of you watching, I'm sure, and that's the election and, right. and the impact that a potential Biden presidency or a continued second-term Trump presidency could have on the markets. You know, the, the market's a pretty good indicator as a predictor of what might happen in the sure. months leading up to the election, but I think we can make some... Uh, some assumptions from some guidance with some guidance here from LPL research yeah. about what could happen next. So we're going to look today at earnings per share. And really, I think the the consensus is regardless of what happens, we're still looking at an increase in earnings per share. But yes. we want to look at some at what some of the variables are. First of all, let's talk about what earnings per share really means. It's basically a measurement of the profitability of a company based on the number of outstanding shares they have. There's several factors that come into play there. So when you look at earnings per share and the consensus on you know where we are for 2020 and then looking forward under these different scenarios we've got if joe biden wins and obviously we're looking at a corporate tax height hike and then obviously the impact from the uh, tariffs with china and so what impact does that have if those are removed and in all of these scenarios again we're looking at a higher eps than what we currently have yeah so they they use some consensus estimates for the end of this year and 2021 and and really the consensus is that we will see a global recovery in 2021 right. regardless i do think that that it is worth pointing out that that recovery could see a growth of i think it says about 23 percent on the earnings per share increase if uh if things were just like they are today sure uh if biden wins and those tax hikes are implemented it could cut that by about 10 percentage points one of the things that we are hearing though from brian westbury is the opinion about when those tax hikes might come yeah. so if you go back to when president obama was elected well let's stay on on biden for just a moment if he wins the presidency then if the democrats also take the senate it's likely that it will be by a very small margin and so that takes us back to very complicated time with Obama taking office in 2009. Democrats had 59 seats. Taxes didn't go up until 2013. Mm -hmm. And so it's possible that we're not looking at this impact in the short term, even if Biden does win the election. And that brings up a, a, a final point that we talk about with our clients a lot as well. Statistically, if you look at the uh, history of the market's performance, investors don't really care who the president is as much right. as they care who has control. Yeah. So with what you said, it kind of plays right into that, that even if the, we have a Democratic president, but we have a Republican Congress, we can assume there'll be a little bit of gridlock and we can assume sure. that the, the the rules of the game will be the same. It's when the rules change is when investors get a little fearful. Yeah. And, and the market, if you want to talk about the market as a person, the market doesn't care who it is. They just want to know who it's going to dance with, you know, mm -hmm. for the next four years. So that's really what we're talking about. So if you happen to not remember, we've talked about this before on the Fastest Four as well, about what to look for in the 90s. 90 days prior to election with regard to market performance and how that might potentially tell us who is going to win the presidency, right. you'll want to hang on because we're going to talk about that with Ryan Dietrich on the radio side as the Get Ready for the Future show continues. We thank you for listening to the fastest four minutes in investing, and we thank you for watching on social media. We'll be right back. Want to know what goes on in the studio? During this break, go subscribe to the Gen Wealth Financial Advisors YouTube channel and get all the straight talk on retirement, investments, and your money. 
You ain't heard nothing yet. Buckle up, because we're back with the Get Ready for the Future show. Hey, we're talking about risk today on the Get Ready for the Future show and how to deal with that. It's really no different in life or in investing or when talking about retirement. We're going to get more in detail about how we deal with risk at Genwell Financial Advisors, but we are pleased to be joined on the show. We're going to talk about market risk. That's one of the big risks that's on everyone's mind, probably always on everyone's mind. Ryan Dietrich joins us from LPL, LPL Financial's chief market strategist, as he is good to do from time to time. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Hey, Scott. I'm doing well. Thank you. Glad to be back on the show. It's been a while. Yeah. I, I missed you guys. It has. We plugged in Burt White last week. So just so you know, we had a really good discussion with him, including a story about an anaconda attack. So he was very colorful. So you, you, you've got a you've got a challenge laid down there to give us some give us a little story time whenever you get the chance. But that, that's kind of an unfair mm, challenge. I, I yeah. wouldn't want to follow the anaconda story. No, it's a good one. It's a good one. Hey, let's begin with the big picture here, Ryan. So we, we we've obviously seen a lot of volatility in September. What is your take? and LPL's take on the state of the economy now six months plus after uh, the corona correction. Yeah, isn't that something? I mean, six months ago, just about right now, yep. S&P 500 mm-hmm. had that major low uh, down 34%, and then obviously the huge rally. I mean, this was one of the fastest recoveries. By recovery, I mean you're in a bear market, which means you're down at least 20%, and then you get all those gains back and make a new high. It took just about five months to make up uh, those losses. But you know the stock market and the economy, and we've been talking about this for almost six months now, it feels like. They're two separate things. So the stock market's having a well-deserved pullback. Maybe we'll talk about the stock market in a little bit because you asked me about the economy first. What the economy's doing, the economy looks really good. I mean, the housing data we continue to see is strong. Manufacturing data is strong. Just last week, Michigan consumer confidence came in a little bit better than expected. <clears throat> Excuse me. I get all choked up talking about the economy. <laughs> if you think about it, just the way... Just, I mean, yes, we shut down, but we've opened back up and things aren't perfect, right? It's going to take a long time to get back to where we were. But the truth of the matter is the economy is improving and earnings have been really strong. Well, and you mentioned that just now about that unprecedented rebound that we had since the original drop. Um, But it seems like volatility has crept back into the picture as we've approached the elections. Are you concerned? Well, we're not concerned. I mean, you think about it, September historically is the worst month of the year. We all heard about that a lot. And I, I found out that when we just had the best August in like over mm-hmm. 30 years last month, right? S&P up significantly. And when you look back, guys, historically you have a big August, you actually tend to give a lot of it back in September. So we're not totally shocked by this. And again, S&P 500 up 60%. Uh, the most recent all-time high was on September 2nd. 60% rally. Now we've pulled back, you know, eight or 9%, give or take. Um, it makes sense, but where the volatility is really coming from is those previous leaders, right? We all know who they are. The FANG stocks, the large cap tech names have just done unbelievably well. That rubber band would stretched even more, and they're coming back. If there's any positives under the surface, though, tech is pulling back after a well-deserved, I mean, a huge rally. Mm-hmm. We think it's well-deserved. Then you got things like small caps and materials and industrials. Some of those beaten up areas all of a sudden are starting to do pretty good. So to us, it looks like a kind of a healthy rotation with technology just taking a break. And let's not forget, tech makes up 25% of the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. So when that type of a leadership falls off and pulls back, it's going to make the market look a little weaker when you look at those underlying numbers. But honestly, again, some of these groups are hanging in there quite well in our view. So let's talk about the election coming up. That seems like that's we have what, to. <laughs> yeah, it seems like everybody's talking about that. It's not not necessarily the chosen topic, but everybody's asking about it anyway. Mm. But Ryan, you and Bert have really expressed a confidence in the historical trend of the market really being able to predict the winner of the presidential election. So with a little more than a month to go, what's the market telling you, whether it's Trump or Biden? And do you see an impact from this September lull that we're in right now? Yes. I mean, you know, historically speaking, if the stock market is strong three months before the election, the incoming party tends to win. If the stock market's weak three months before the election, the incoming party tends to lose. And that the clock technically started on August 3rd, which, again, is three months before November 3rd. And uh, stocks are up a little bit as we speak. I mean, you know, from there, because we had that big, big August. But there's still a ways to go, right? I mean, there's still a ways to go. And historically, also, when you look at the economy, how the economy is doing, the economy is good. Um, the market, uh, I'm sorry, the incoming president tends to win. And again, we're, we're, we've still got a little ways to go. 
Well, the economy's improved drastically from where we were, but again, you know, we think the easy part of this economic recovery is probably over, and it's going to get a little tougher going forward. But to put a bow on this, um, you know, a lot of the polls say Joe Biden's comfortably ahead. We think if you look at the stock market and economy, it's more like a coin flip in our view at LPL Research as to who might be the president come next year. We're speaking today on the Get Ready for the Futures show with Ryan Dietrich, LPL's chief market strategist, talking about market risk as our show today is really the theme is all about risky business. Risk is in life and there's the reality, Ryan, of risk and then there's how we respond or perceive that risk. And certainly fear has a lot to do with that. And when you talk about what investors may be fearing, we've already alluded to it. We talked a little bit about the election. Obviously, we're still in the middle of this pandemic, hopefully towards the tail end. We, we certainly hope that's yeah. the case, but the pandemic is still ongoing. There's a lot of fear about what could go wrong for the rest of the year. And I think that's being even heightened by a chart I read that you tweeted uh, today about how this is historically a bad time in the market anyway, late September. So that uh, market going lower has certainly incited some more fear. But let's talk about what could potentially go right for the remainder of the year. What do you see as positives for the rest of 2020? Yeah, I mean, great question. Like you said, the worries are there, right? I mean, we're stretched. You can pull back more. But what can go right? I mean, let's get a, a vaccine, right? I mean, multiple vaccines. I mean, the truth of the matter is to really get this economy going and to get back to where we were, we likely need some type of a vaccine or major therapeutic, uh, therapeutic breakthrough. And we're getting closer to that. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the end-all, be-all answer that, that we have. But at the same time, you know, I mean, you think about it, manufacturing has really come back. Housing's really come back. Retail sales, guys, is at an all-time high, okay? Higher than where we were back in February before the recession start. Our view at LPL Research is this recession is probably over. It's not officially over, but it likely is. So what can go right is we just keep opening up the rest of the economy, keep opening things up, and um, you get a, get a vaccine, stay healthy, wear masks, do the social distancing where you, ha where you can and need to, and um, potentially just keep going. I mean, the thing that's unique about this recession We've never had an economy that good of shape heading into it, right? Our economy is mm -hmm. moving along pretty good back in January and February, and then boom, we're in a recession. Now as we're coming back out of it, I mean, there are certain groups. I mean, just the the difference in how the world is. I'll give one example, then you know we can go from there. But Dave and Buster's had revenue down 85%. Dave and Buster's is a place you go eat food, play mm -hmm. video games, do things. People aren't doing things like that. Amazon just a couple weeks ago said they're going to hire, you know, like 30,000 people at $150,000 a year salary. You talk about an economy that's splitting two ways. That's a really a drastic example of it, but that's the truth of the matter. Um, you know, so there are part pockets this economy doing great, and there are pockets that are really unfortunately going to struggle for a very, very long time. And that's encouraging to hear all the positives. So we, we appreciate you sharing some of those that a lot of us probably don't know about because we just don't watch it that carefully. What would be the harbingers? What would be the things that we do need to be concerned about that could go wrong? Yeah, I mean, you know, just simply the fact that the market's been up so much. I mean, it's it's kind of simple to say. I mean, a 60% rally, you can have a 20% correction. And honestly, guys, it'd be perfectly normal. But a 20% correction would be pretty scary for most of us if, if something like that would happen. But the other way I want to go with this is the Fed. Now, we don't anticipate this, but we're talking about what could go wrong. I mean, the Fed is flat out said, to keep this very simple, the Fed's going to let inflation go a little hot. Okay, we haven't seen inflation for like over a decade. Mm -hmm. The Fed is willing to let inflation go hot before they start to hike rates. What if we had some type of a policy mistake with all of the stimulus that's out there, if the Fed let inflation go a little hot, and then they had the hike rates uh, way too fast to stave off inflation? We're not there. Okay, I want to make that very clear. We're not there. But that, that's a, a worry about as we get out into 2021, a potential policy mistake from the Fed by letting inflation get too hot um, is one thing that we're kicking around. And then the obvious one that we're all worried about, if um, you know, if we don't get a vaccine, if there's some new, negative news there, or just look at Europe. Europe was in really good shape fighting COVID two months ago, and now they're having major, major flare-ups again, at least Western Europe is. So this is a battle that's going to continue, and, and rolling shutdowns and things like that are the worries that we share along with every other American, I think, and everyone in the world, for that matter, I should say. Ryan, you know if if you tweet something, we're likely going to talk about it on the show next the following week. So recently, you tweeted about 60% um, of the business closures from COVID look to yeah. be permanent. I mean, that's a yeah. pretty significant number. What do you what would you say about the impact of that other than the obvious job displacement? What are we looking at long term as far as an impact? 
Yeah, that was a Yelp study. I saw it on CNBC.com. Just that Yelp looked at all these businesses that closed, and they found almost 60% of them were not opening back up. And not surprisingly, a lot of them were restaurants and areas like that. But the truth is, if you look at how, again, I kind of hinted at it, it's going to take a long time for this economic recovery to take place. There are places doing well. It took seven years for jobs to come back after the financial crisis. It took four years for jobs to fully come back during the uh, tech bubble recession. This time, jobs have come back a lot the last few months. I get it. But we lost 20 million jobs back in the spring. So it's going to take a long time for the economic recovery to take place. And, and you know, Bert mentioned it um, internally with us is the idea of a K-shaped recovery. I don't want to get too mm. geeky with this, but you think about a K, it goes two different ways, right? Part of it goes up. The other part is going down. That mm. is sadly where it looks like our economy is going. And I kind of talked about that in the last question is just how there's the haves and the have nots. And, and it's such a difficult, difficult situation because if you buy father in owns a restaurant, my father owns a restaurant in Cincinnati, Ohio. He's only allowed to have like 25% capacity and he's not allowed to see people inside. I mean, how are you supposed to grow your business when mm -hmm. you've got those, you know, those handcuffs on you? And that's that's the services industry in general, a lot of places. So I don't really have the true answer here. It, it is a difficult, difficult situation. It's going to take a long time to recover in some of these areas real quickly. You think about the tech bubble, tech underperformed for 10 years after the tech bubble 2000s. After financial crisis, financial stocks and banks underperformed. They have been for ever since. The scene of the crime is who tends to underperform. So right here and now, maybe your airlines, hotels, you know, some of those services things might continue to struggle uh, for years. Ryan Dietrich has been our guest, LPL's chief market strategist. And we have about a minute left, Ryan, and we've kind of referenced those tweets. We've referenced those charts. I know LPL Financial is very active on social media, and uh, there's all kinds of ways that people can get more resources and gain your team's thoughts on the economy and the markets. Can you tell us a little bit about how they can do that? Yeah, thank you. Um, LPLresearch.com is our blog. You can go on Twitter, at LPLresearch on Twitter. And then I'm simply at Ryan Dietrich, R-Y-A-N-D-E-T-R-I-C-K at Twitter. Those are some of the easiest ways to follow all the different things that we're up to. Well, we always appreciate you taking time for us. We definitely appreciate your uh, insight. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell Bert to watch out for anacondas for us. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let him know. <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Ryan. The Get Ready for the Future show continues right after this. Stay with us. More wisdom from Arkansas's most listened to financial talk show is just around the corner after the break. Stay tuned. Do you have a burning question? Email info at getreadyforthefuture.com with your name, location, and question to get a response on the air from the Gen Wealth team. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Our thanks again to Ryan Dietrich for joining us on the Get Ready for the Future show. And if you'd like to learn more about uh, our affiliation with LPL Financial or you'd like to learn more about some of the things that were talked about as far as investment, its investment strategy, the markets, the economy, a Gen Wealth advisor is always ready to have a conversation with you. And we have offices all over the state of Arkansas. Teresa, along with Chad Roller, are in our Conway office. Mm -hmm. I work with Tim Key in our West Little Rock office. We also have offices in El Dorado here in Bryant, where John and Janet are, and uh, Northwest Louisiana, and Hot Springs as well. So you have one number you can call to reach out and get connected with any of those advisors in any of those locations. It's 501-653-7355. Again, it's 501-653-7355. And your first appointment with the Gen Wealth Advisor is always complimentary. We're talking about risk today on the Get Ready for the Future show and how to deal with it. We, we spent 12 minutes talking with Ryan Dietrich about market risk. How do you deal with that and the other risks that are universal to all retirees? Well, as Janet alluded to in the first of our uh, show today, there are really four ways you can choose to deal with risk. And a couple of them aren't really very good ones in our mind. The first one we'll start with is avoid it. And I think, ladies, this is really an illusion because mm -hmm. by avoiding risk, perceived risk, you're really probably taking on another. Yeah. The most common example we use with this, guys, is inflation risk, that mm -hmm. if somebody says, you know, the market scares me to death, I, I hear about, you know, downturns and volatility, and so I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to put all my money in, in CDs. Well, <clears throat> there's a time for savings, and there's a time for investing. Yes. And the two are not the same. And so if you have all of your money in CDs, then you are negating market risk completely. Mm -hmm. you're, you're avoiding that, no issue. But 
the risk that you are accepting, although it might be blindly, the risk that you are accepting is inflation risk. Because I guarantee you that the cost of goods, the cost for you to maintain your standard of living is growing at a higher rate than your dollars are Mm -hmm. growing in those CDs. Again, it's okay for your savings. Your savings doesn't necessarily have to outpace inflation, but your investing dollars ultimately become your source of income for retirement. And those dollars need to outpace inflation so you can have a raise in retirement. Because you've got to be able to keep your dignity. That's right. And if you can't keep your buying power, then you're giving up some of that. And for some people, you know, avoiding that risk means putting off retirement in their minds. Some people think, well, I'll just never retire or I'll wait super late. But the statistics are against you. When I was studying for the RICP, um, one of the statistics that really shocked me is that over half of the people out there working right now are going to end up retiring without or a lot earlier than they meant to for things that aren't within their power, things like health or the spouse, you know, having health issues. So that's not a plan Mm -hmm. to try to say, well, I'm just not going to retire because you can't control that necessarily. Yeah, the avoiding, I think, of with what we've dealt with in this country with the pandemic, in Mm -hmm. fact, you know, I think Mm -hmm. for a time that was the way we dealt with the risk of COVID-19 was we're going to shut everything down. We're going to stay inside. We're not going to be around people. And that may have been the right call for a time, but we realized very soon that we couldn't continue that very long, right? Mm -hmm. Right. We, We had to step out and have some continuation of life if we were going to make it through. And I think the the parallel for me is is the perception that you avoid risk also means that you don't reach your goals. And I think you mm-hmm. alluded to that, Teresa. But if you if you chose not to do the things that are going to help you re- reach the outcome you want, then you're not going to reach it. I mean, that's pretty cut yeah. and dried. Yeah. Um, guys, the, the next point that we talk about on how to deal with risk, we've talked about avoiding it. The next one is reducing risk. And uh, I got to tell you, risk is a very real thing to me these days because I have a 14-year-old who is driving. Uh-huh. And <laughs> so... I'm dreading <laughs> just January because that's yeah, when I'll have a 14-year-old. Yeah, it's, it's very real. And so um, this morning it was raining, but it wasn't like torrential downpour. It was a light rain. And I looked at my daughter and I said, okay, today Today's the day you're going to drive in the rain for the first time. Here we go. So reducing the risk as far as like compared to a downpour to, you know, it was a gentle rain and Mm -hmm. it gave her that experience and she was nerved up. And I understand (laughs) I, I probably would have been too, but it gave her that experience without just total, you know, chaos. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about your investments, there are people who go pedal to the metal, if you will, Mm -hmm. with their investments, and they are all in on risk. Well, if you're all in on risk, the end result is probably not that great. But you do have to have some level of Mm -hmm. risk or you're never going to make progress. Like if I don't have her drive in a little bit of rain, then she's never going to be able to drive independently when she leaves for college. I'll be scared to death that she's not going to be okay. Well, with your investments, if you don't take some degree of risk, you also don't get any degree of reward. So you you have to find that balance. Yes, that's what I was thinking is, is the balance is the important thing there because right. you gain the confidence through the balance. Yes. In, in, in her case with the driving, you know, also, you know, if using the driving metaphor, if you're following the law, if you're taking steps, a way that you reduce that risk too is making sure that you are taking the steps toward your goal and not just sitting stagnant. We use, in, instead of reduce, we use manage. Sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. manage yeah. risk. And I, I think it's appropriate to point out here, maybe you need to hire a manager. I mean, that really yes. is uh, appropriate to look into is if you don't work with a financial advisor, how do you know if you're taking on the appropriate amount of risk, if you've managed it or reduced it in the appropriate way, especially if you're closing in on retirement. So just to recap, avoid was number one. We don't believe that's a very good way to try to deal with risk. We do (laughs) believe reducing or managing, especially as you encroach upon your retirement years, is a good way to deal with risk. Our third one is also a good way that we use here at GenWealth uh, when planning retirement income plans, and that's transfer. Mm -hmm. In other words, don't accept all of the risk yourself. Transfer it. Leverage it, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're younger, you know, yeah. I work with more younger clients than, than probably you do, Janet. But 
transferring some of the risk of, for instance, one spouse passing away prior to retirement Mm -hmm. using life insurance is really important. A lot of people think, well, life insurance is just to pay off the house. It's not. It's income replacement in case you lose that that income source yeah. from your spouse, not to mention all the other things you need. Yeah, if, if you think about it, if, if your spouse doesn't come home, do you and your children still need their paycheck to come home? In most families, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that life insurance is mm-hmm. really about. And really, uh, Teresa, when you talk about transferring, you've used the life insurance example, but really any type of insurance, whether mm-hmm. you need, let's say you need some of your income guaranteed even. So when we look at somebody's retirement income and we start to work through the, the formula, if you will, of, of what do they have coming in and what are their needs? If there's a gap there where your, your need is greater than the guaranteed income that you have coming in, we want to be sure that that income that you have to have every month is guaranteed to come to you. So we're going to go to a product like an annuity to be able to get that guaranteed income stream in place for you and and be certain that you have the income that you need. So you're transferring that market risk for that that portion of dollars to Mm -hmm. an insurance company in that case. When you think about it, a gap in other types of insurance, you know, that's the way I think about my health insurance, Mm -hmm. right? I know what my deductible is. I know I need that cash set aside. And then once that's cleared, the insurance company has got it taken care of. Mm-hmm. Same thing for homeowners insurance. Any type of insurance that we seemingly are very willing to engage in and have a policy on. Now, I know that it's the law in some cases, <laughs> but you really, I guess, feel like maybe that might happen to you. And and, and mm-hmm. I don't know that people realize it when it comes to life insurance or insuring your retirement income that people really think that it's it's as needed, but it definitely is. It, it should be looked at in the same way. All right, so recapping again, avoiding risk, not a great way to deal with risk. We use in our retirement income planning here ways to reduce or manage your risk, and in some cases, if needed, transfer your risk. Leverage the use of an insurance policy uh, to ensure that either your retirement income will be in place or that your income in pre-retirement years will be in place should there be a loss, a death in the family. The final one is not a good one either, except risk. Uh, That's full on and pedal to the metal. And I do think that you can, on some levels, do this when you're younger. Uh, But even that needs to be managed a little bit because you wouldn't... I've used the... um, story a lot about when I jumped out of an airplane. If I full full on assumed all of the risk, I wouldn't have taken a parachute with mm, me, right? Yeah, so yeah. everybody still has to manage risk, but there there is definitely uh, some pitfalls in having the mindset of accepting risk full on. Well, and, and I think you have to decide, very much like your parachute analogy, you have to decide what level of risk are you willing to accept, what level mm-hmm. of risk is reasonable. And I think one of the challenges in this area, particularly for, uh, I started to say younger investors, but I'm just going to say people who, who haven't really had anybody walk through explanations of investments. So you could be in your 20s or you could be in your 50s. If you've never had anybody really walk through that, then do you understand the risk that mm-hmm. you're that you're accepting in this situation and many times people don't they think that they do but they don't really have a full understanding of what those risks are Teresa risk with a purpose is one thing yeah there are certain pieces that you take risk and there's a purpose for that risk and in that case it's part of a plan it's part of something bigger and it does a job yeah you know you can't put all like you mentioned earlier you can't put all your money in something totally secure for retirement. So there is some level of risk, which we try to manage for you, right. that you've got to accept to be able to meet your goals. But it has a purpose. Risk without purpose is chaos. Yeah. And that is not going to help you get where you need to go. Well, and I think about my daughter and going back to the driving thing. Um, I'm probably a little bit traumatized. That's all I can think <laughs> of right now. <laughs> but, you know, in, in reality, what's happening there is I'm coaching her through this. Like mm-hmm. every time we have some intersection coming up, I'm talking to her about, okay, it's raining. Remember, it's going to take a little bit longer for you to stop. Don't forget to put your turn signal on. I, I'm just this quiet voice of, okay, remember, this is what we do here. 
this is what we do here. The, the other day we were coming in from Little Rock going to Saline County, and there are two lanes where you have to merge pretty quickly, and that's stressful for a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. And just talking her through that made all the difference in the world. And I think people need that financially. You need a coach to come alongside you and go, okay, this is the next situation that you're facing. Here's what we do in this circumstance. And just talk you through it because, frankly, nobody has ever taught you how to handle your money. You got taught how to go get a job and get a paycheck. You didn't get taught how to invest, and you certainly didn't get taught how to plan for your retirement income. And if you're going out on the internet to get that coaching or that teaching, good luck. There is so much conflicting information. Yeah. That's, you're just talking about good preparation there. That's what you're talking about is before the bullets fly. And you think about your retirement journey, preparing now when you still have a couple of years, three years, four years, 10 years uh, before you enter that and the bullets are flying and you're in the middle of it. And then those risks start to show their ugly head. So we've talked a little bit about how to deal with risk in general, but we're going to get a little more specific on the other side of the break on the Get Ready for the Future show is how do you plan for it? We know how to deal with it now, but how do you plan for it? That's up next. Stay with us. If you want the answer, ask the question. Email info at getreadyforthefuture.com with your name, location, and question, and we'll answer it on the air. We'll be back in just a moment. Want more straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Listen to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Risk is the theme of today's Get Ready for the Future show. We've been talking about in the last segment how to deal with it. You can choose to avoid it, which as we spoke uh, in great detail about, that you're really avoiding one risk but taking on another in most cases, especially when it comes to investing. You could reduce or manage the risk. Uh, You could choose to transfer it. And we talked about how you could use the leverage of an insurance company uh, as one example of that. Or you could accept it, either full on or deal with the risk reward nature of accepting it. But how do you, another way to deal with it is to plan for it. Really, there's risk everywhere, whether it's walking down the street, driving your car, Getting in an elevator, my 10-year-old is not real fond of doing that. He thinks about uh, the the things that can go wrong in an (laughs) elevator. I don't know why. Nothing's ever happened bad. Uh, But because of that, you know, we need to plan for everything we can plan for in life. And, you know, I think people are a little averse to thinking about financially planning, ladies. But when you think about the things that we do plan for, Mm -hmm. we, we plan for a lot of things that we enjoy planning for. Why should retirement be any different? Yeah, I mean, vacations is the it's the number one example we use. Mm-hmm. But I, I think about you know the, again the example I've used today of my daughter when when before there was a rainy day we had talked about driving on a rainy day that look mm-hmm. at some point this is coming we need to already be ready for here here are the differences that you need to understand because you might be driving along and you think you've got a sunny day to drive and then all of a sudden out of nowhere here you go rain yeah. do you know how to turn on your windshield wipers do you know you know about needing more time to stop and just making her think through those things so that she doesn't think emotionally in this Mm -hmm. case with fear and so many times financial decisions are emotional when you look at the core of why did you make the decision that you just that you made really if you're honest with yourself many times it's emotional and and we have told people for years when you make a financial decision Mm -hmm. emotionally nine times out of ten you've made the wrong decision you've got to make it logically and planning is kind of a two-step solution here because first you're assessing your your what's out there the risks you know if you don't know what the risks are and you haven't really sat down and talked through those, then you're not going to be prepared when they hit. So if you hadn't really thought through the fact that someday she's going to need to drive in rain, then it would have never been a conversation. I got a car the day before I went to college, and I had learned to drive, (laughs) but I didn't actually drive much. I didn't get a lot of practice. But I went off to college, and I laughed when you said the thing about the windshield wipers. I didn't know where mine were were. the first time I needed them. I didn't know. So... It is important to first figure out what those risks are, and then having the plan helps you stay on track. I mean, you mentioned this earlier Mm -hmm. uh, that people weren't really just calling and banging on the doors when the market was struggling because they had a plan and their plan was working and they didn't have to worry about that paycheck. Where's this month's money coming from? 
So it helps with the, that emotional side too to manage it for you. It I feel like you, it gives you the objectivity. That's that's yes. the benefit yeah. of planning. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the emotions. I want to drive that home with some hard data. You know, you may hear that and you go, well, "I'm not, I'm not probably likely to panic when the market goes down." Yeah. I, don't, I don't do that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe so, maybe not. A 2018 study found that investors who use a behavior modified approach to investing that removed emotion saw returns up to 23 percent higher over 10 years. That's from the Journal of Financial Planning. And then consider 2018 when the S&P 500 lost 4.38%. And I know it felt like it lost more than that because it all happened at the end of the year. Yeah, it was not yeah. before the last couple of months of the year. The average investor lost more than double that. Listen mm-hmm, to that. 4.38% mm-hmm. was what the S&P was down, but the average investor was down 9.42%. They lost money because when the market was going down, they they panic sold. What we've said many, many times, investors do the wrong thing at the wrong time for the wrong reasons. And that is really what this is a measurement of. Mm-hmm. It's people doing the wrong thing at the wrong time for the wrong reason. And that is one of the values of having somebody come along beside you and coach you through these times. Guys, I would say of all the things that we have done in 2020, the most important thing that we have done is just talk to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they're in a panic, whether it's about the market being down as much as it was at the low point or the elections coming up, it's just talking to people and let them hearing, letting them hear that just, I, I would just say cadence of logic that mm-hmm. you're going to call me. I'm going to give you a logical response. You're going to call me. I'm going to give you a logical response. We're not going to respond with emotion because that's going to be a mistake. So when we talk about how we build a plan here at GenWealth, we manage risk, and in some cases, we utilize that option of transferring the risk. And let's let's talk a little bit about that because it needs to be an all-weather plan. We're, we're seeking an mm-hmm. outcome here. We're, we're not chasing crazy rates of return, which would be accepting too much risk, in my opinion. And I do think that when you build this plan out, the way we use the bucketing strategy, mm-hmm. it is built for a 2008. It is built for a pandemic. It is built for, all, you name it, whatever yeah. you're going to throw at us, the plan is set so that it can help remove the emotion as we were talking about. The first thing we're doing when we set up this planning strategy is we're prioritizing your dollars. We're making sure that if you've got regular dependable expenses coming in that are going to come in every single month, that the income paying for those is also regular and dependable. But then we take the rest of it and we use purpose for those dollars. Right. To, to be able to grow those dollars long term for you, but to know that not everything is in the same bucket. And, mm-hmm. and if you're looking at what impact does the volatility have on your investments, then if we're looking at long range dollars, you're going to see some of that impact. But it's a decade and a half before you need those dollars in retirement. So you have some time for that to recover. Um, we mentioned, you know, being sure that that gap is covered. If mm-hmm. you have a gap in the required income, and we talked about specifically about annuities earlier in the show. Let me make the compliance people happy here just a minute with their with their disclosure Can you on read annuities. This in a really crazy voice. That'd, that'd be really <laughs> yes. fun. What voice would you like? <laughs> annuities are insurance contracts that may carry fees, charges, and restrictions. You should consider the contract carefully before purchasing. Guarantees are based on the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. There Box you go. Check. But can I throw in there in general? Not all annuities right. are created equal. Right. That's right. That's and right. And not all annuities are appropriate for you. Yep. And not everybody needs That's, an annuity. Mm-hmm. That is a key here at GenWealth, that we are not a one-stop shop, that if you come in, that's what you're going to get. It is formulaic. Again, we're taking the emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. It is very formulaic. If you come in and you say, I need to have $5,000 a month guaranteed to me, and you have $6,000 a month coming in between pensions and and, uh, Social Security, you don't need an annuity by Mm -hmm. our formula. But if you come in and you say, I need to have $4,000, I mean $5,000 a month, and you only have four coming in from Social Security, and pensions as guaranteed sources, then you have a gap. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. And and there's nothing like everybody's going to get one or nobody's going to get one. Those are wrong answers. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's just a philosophy about investing that we would vehemently disagree with. It has to be an individualized recommendation. Yeah, I think it's very interesting what you said there, too, because the client walks through that process of determining their gap, too. They have made the decision of this is what I need. uh, So that's how it gets tailored fit and the use of an annuity. You know, I read a uh, an article not that long ago about how more millennials were actually buying annuities at the time of life they're in. So that to our point there is we're using that for a lifetime income and it is set 
typically inside of 10 years before you're retired, you, you don't need to be looking at buying an annuity when you're trying to grow and accumulate over right. time. That's right. not the place for it. So we talked about the uh, required income gap and how that gets filled with a, with an annuity if there is one, and then up above that step, and we've only got about a minute left before the final thoughts. Janet, you alluded to this: the bucketing strategy, though the 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 splitting up, if you will, of that traditional pie, that portfolio of maybe some stagnant asset allocation, gets pulled into buckets. Yeah. So if you look at, we'll just simplify and say there's three buckets. The first bucket is for your first 10 years of retirement. The next bucket is for your next five years. And then the third bucket is for years 16 and beyond. And when you think about your dollars in terms of when you're going to use them, it really helps in understanding the amount of risk that is reasonable. When we're talking about Mm -hmm. risky business and investing, the amount of risk that is reasonable for those dollars in those first 10 years, that's your grocery money. You need to live off of that. You need to be able to go and buy food with those dollars. That is not true investment money. That's going to be conservatively invested. Then you get to a more moderate term. And then beyond that, in those long-term dollars, we can take a little bit more risk. We're not going to be aggressive even with those dollars, but we can take a little bit more risk at that point. But what that bucketing strategy does is it gives you options. It gives you the bandwidth to be able to tolerate that risk for the later money because it's not affecting your right now money. All right, so there's the bell. It was right on time as Teresa was finishing her thought. So often the case it's not. We're in the middle of the thought, but that's, it is time for our final thoughts. And I'll start kind of going back to the emotional part of this. You know, when I think about how 2020 has rattled everybody's uh, belief that anything is under their control, let's be honest, mm-hmm. yeah. you'd have to control what you can control. And, and that may be a small list of things, but planning allows you to put things on paper on purpose so that when the winds of change are blowing like they have been in 2020, you can always go back to your all-weather plan and know that things are still working. And if you haven't put that plan on paper on purpose, I would certainly encourage you to do that. What I would love to remind everybody is stuff happens. Life happens. Having a plan means that when it happens, you're ready. Just like your emergency fund, make sure that when you have an emergency, you're ready. Having a plan for your retirement means that the market's not making you crazy. I would focus on the coaching aspect, and and the coach is the one who helps you plan for things. Going back to the analogy of of my daughter, you know, learning to drive, she needs right now that voice in her ear to Mm -hmm. say, okay, this is coming up, and here's how we're going to respond when this happens. And that way she's not emotional, and she's not making illogical decisions. Um, And the same is true with your money. Money is a very challenging thing to deal with emotionally, and so we want to help come alongside you and coach you through through that process. Scott, if they'd like to meet with a financial advisor, how does that happen? Yeah, so what's the plan? What's the plan for you? Reaching out is the first step to go through the GenWealth Ready to Retire process. You can call 501-653-7355 right now to set up a complimentary appointment with a GenWealth advisor. You can also reach out by emailing. Just email info at getreadyforthefuture.com and we will get back with you and set that appointment. It's the first step. It's easy to make. You can do it right now. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. The GenWealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 501-653-7355. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of GenWealth Financial Advisors, and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. 